I've always wondered what life would be like in uh, 1940 in a place like New York City. It must have been pretty cool. Oh, can you imagine, you know, the uh, the sights, the sounds, the smells, seeing the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers play? Yeah. Well, that's right, because you're a big baseball guy, and uh, baseball was king in 1940. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is, of course, the pre-war, so there was all the classic players playing still. So, yeah, it was king. Well, I think 1940 is the furthest that we've ever traveled, and that's where we're going to be going today, to uh, New York City. So, are you ready for a road trip? I'm always ready. Well, let's do this thing. Let's hop in the Wayback Machine and get going. Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Batchman. And we are cruising the rock and roll highway in our Wayback Music Machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure. Kind of a magical mystery tour. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. So our first stop on this road trip is New York City in 1940, where we're going to go. And without this event, a show like ours just wouldn't be possible. Nor would I have a hobby. (laughs) That's true, because you really enjoy checking out the charts, and I gave away a huge hint there. But uh, can you punch it in? Let's go to July 20th, 1940. On the condition we can go to Coney Island and go to Nate's, Nathan's. Oh, I'm all for it. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So July 20th, 1940, New York City. So we're here in the offices of what will become Billboard magazine. It's Billboard magazine already. It's 1940. And they're going to publish the first ever top 10 most popular records. The first song chart. Now, there there had been charts prior to this, Tony. But right now, they're going to chart what people are buying and listening to in America and rank them. How exciting is that? Well, that's amazing. And uh, boy, what Billboard did for the music industry by having these charts i mean what a what a relationship eh? well what's funny is that billboard started back in the you know 1894 and they charted or they looked at um basically carnivals and and fairs and, uh, and those kinds of things but as music started taking over sheet music first and then you know the edison discs and all that they started charting what people were listening to it's quite interesting to see how far billboard has come you know up to 1940 even you know Well, that's right. And uh, now I'm really curious, on that first chart in 1940, I I know what type of music must have been on it, right? It was all swing music, but who was number one? I'd like to say it was Keith Richards. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just a joke. Keith Richards duetting with Billy uh, Willie Nelson. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. I love that. That's hilarious. (laughs) So number one was a song by Tommy Dorsey and a very young singer. He was young at the time. Frank Sinatra with I'll Never Smile Again. So that was number one. There's the uh, chairman making history right there. <laughs> of course, it would have to be Sinatra. Um, of course, it's Frankie. But, you know, I mean, they, they looked at, they looked at, they could combine the sales of all the major labels. And they also looked at what radio was playing. Because in 1940, they started playing records on the radio because they had to. I mean, records just took right off, Tony, you know? Mm-hmm. So the first top five singles. You have two by Glenn Miller. Number five was Glenn Miller, Fool's Rush In. 
Number four, do you, do you remember Kay Kaiser? I do. Yeah, me too. Uh, Playmates. And number three is Glenn Miller, Imagination. Two is Tommy's brother Jimmy with The Breeze and I. And I just want to point out that my hero, and if you listen to our Spotify show, we've done a show with this man, Bing Crosby, number nine with Sierra Sue. Yeah, that's a, that's a great era in music, that swing era. I love that kind of music. Well, you know, and what's interesting, I, and I do as well, you know, I do as well, but they were, they were looking at records that were purchased, but also records that were played in music machines, you know, in bars or in restaurants. And I remember they did that up to the 1960s. They would, because they could, you could see how many times a person played a record in a jukebox. Which is just fascinating to me. You well, know, none, none of this YouTube or Spotify streaming. People actually had to go and physically listen or buy or whatever a record. So, well, that's right. They had to be mindful about their choice to to listen. And this is really like a time capsule, especially looking at uh, what you know jukebox machines were playing and and radio stations. Now, what was the state of radio at that time, though? Um, were they were able to play records then? When did they start phasing in records? Because they at one point they had to be live performances on radio because of the musicians' union. Yeah. They, they, so in 1940, just pre-war, well, war was going on in Europe. So because of the war going on in Europe, things started changing. And the other thing that changed in America was that the you know publishing went on strike too. Publishers. So there's there was only a certain amount of songs that could be played. So radio had to figure out what to do here. So radio struggled and they, they got all the equipment to start playing records. The majority had to still be live. So if you look at all the musicians in the top five, all five of those people had radio shows, performed live on radio. They weren't kind of just phoning it in, so no. to speak. So It would have been a great time. I always admired that, you know, that that there were musicians playing live on the radio, live on television. And when you look, right, you had, you know, the NBC studio orchestra. Every network had its own orchestra back then. Well, keep in mind, right, you think about shows like Jack Benny, which were totally live on the radio, and they would have Frank Sinatra. They had to have a band. They didn't play a backing tape and Frank would sing. They had a band in the studio to accompany Frank Sinatra or... Dennis O'Day, or whoever they had on the show. And even the dramas had to have music. You know, background music, there was a band in the studio live. And there was a a show called Richard Diamond. And, um, you know, that show, there was always a song sung in the show by Dick Powell. Again, they had to have an orchestra for this crime show. So you're right. It was very exciting because you had these huge amounts of people in this little studio right well and you also saw the quality of the musicianship you know this is speaking from a a jazz musician perspective but we're in the heyday of the uh, swing era here right so you've got these amazingly talented people like benny goodman uh you know the king of swing who are unbelievable chops too can really play it's 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 a totally different mindset i mean this was not a case of you know, let's get some session musicians in LA, do a backing tape, sell it to someone else, and they throw some lyrics on. This was a, a band leader like Glenn Miller who knew how to arrange music. Um, and his version of Fool's Rush In would be very different, say, from, from Jimmy Dorsey's because of the arrangement, right? Same song, but diff- and you would know more about that than I do. Well, that's right. So uh, our next stop, though, uh, we're going to stay in this uh, New York City area, but we're gonna actually going to go to Jersey, and we're going to go July 23rd, 
2009. Right? You, you said we'd go to Nathan's before we went to Jersey. Oh, right. So let's go to Nathan's <laughs> first, and then uh, and then we're going to hit the... Uh, what's the nickname for New Jersey? Is it the Garden State? Is that what they call it? Yeah, I, I, and you know what? Two years ago, I drove through Jersey, and I'd never driven through Jersey before, because why would you? But um, I had no idea how beautiful it was. It, it's stunningly beautiful. Yeah, you know, my only experiences with New Jersey was always staying at the uh, hotel outside of New York City, right? And then having to head into New York City because on the band tours, we could never afford to stay right in Manhattan, right? So, <laughs> Who can? But, um, you know, it, it's a beautiful state. When you start going into the, you know, sort of exploring it a bit more, I had no idea. I was, I, I had to take back almost everything I said about Jersey. Almost. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so uh, let's hit Nate's and then let's uh, jump ahead to July 3rd, 23rd, 2009. Okay, let me plug it in. Do we have time for the Wonder Wheel too? Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, plugged in. All right, here we go. Lollipop, lollipop, oh, lolly, 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 lollipop. Boom, boom, boom. Call my baby lollipop, tell you why. Her kiss is sweeter than a cherry pie. And when she does a shaky rock and dance, man, I haven't got a chance. Treat yourself to a Dell Inspiron laptop with intelligent Intel processors. Dell, yours is here. Do you remember that Dell commercial? You know, I do, and I've tried so hard to forget it. Now that song is in my mind for the rest of the day. Oh, I know. It is catchy, isn't it? But um, Yeah, it's an earworm. It's an earworm. So here we are, Lakewood, New Jersey, and both of us, That he is one of our favorite artists, and he's also got a talent for misadventure. Of course, we're talking about Bob Dylan, and uh, what was Bob up to today? Well, Dylan was on tour uh, in 2009, the summer, and he was playing... Triple A and Double A ballparks, right across America, with Willie Nelson and, in some locations, John Mellencamp. Um, he had a bit of a break, Tony. What happened when he went for a little walk? Well, he decided that uh, he just wanted to check some stuff out. So he was walking around, and he was picked up by a young policewoman who said there was a man acting very suspiciously. That's the description, very sus- suspiciously. And the police officer, this uh, young policewoman, drove up to Dylan, and uh, Dylan was just, you know, because he dressed, he doesn't dress like a like a rock star, right? He just looks like he could blend totally in with a crowd. And uh, she asked him his name, but she didn't recognize him. Now, I, I find that hard to believe, don't you? I do too, and I kind of, I hope she was fired. Well, that's exactly. So, uh, of course, Bob didn't have any identification on him. Of course not. He wouldn't have a wallet, you know? <laughs> so the police officer picked him up and brought him back to the hotel, and the staff were able to vouch for him. But, yeah, he just decided to go for a walk, and according to somebody who called in a complaint, there was this old guy acting suspiciously, which I wonder what Bob was doing. Knowing Bob, he was probably looking under things and, and just trying to find ideas for songs and looking for... I mean, this is a guy that... Also, keep in mind, Tony, that this was part of the never-ending tour that started in, in June 7, 1988 and just ended in March 2020 due to the pandemic. He's been on tour the entire time. Yeah, so, that's amazing. What do you do when you're on tour? You go for a walk, you probably look in someone's garden... <laughs> 
check out their garage. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it's also interesting because it's not the only time that that's happened to Bob Dylan, isn't it? No, it happened once when he was trying to check out Neil Young's childhood home, I believe in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, yeah. He got, again, <laughs> uh, the police were involved and, and this old well, guy. Because he's looking in the window. I mean, this poor family sitting there for dinner. And here's this old guy. <laughs> staring in the window. So, uh, you know, Bob Dylan gets pulled over and driven back to his hotel. The policewoman doesn't recognize him. And uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure she didn't get fired, but uh, she should have been. Should have been. Yeah. You know, if you're a human over the age of four and don't know who Bob Dylan is, I'm sorry, you fired, you're done. (laughs) That's right. Cancelled. Cancelled, as they say in 2021. (laughs) In 2021, cancelled. But, you know, Dylan is a great, I mean, the other thing you want to keep in mind about this tour was his love of baseball. And that's why he decided to do with um, Willie Nelson a tour of these, you know, small stadiums, baseball stadiums, right? Um, He he loves baseball. And if you ever caught his show, Theme Time Radio, he did a great show on on, uh, a whole hour on baseball, played songs from the 30s, 40s, 50s. Last Browns, Joe, Cholton, Joe DiMaggio, and um, it's just, it's just, he just loves the sport, and he's just, I love this man because of that, you know? Yeah, he's a very interesting guy, and I'd love to, I have never heard his uh, spoken word version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, so I'm going to have to check that out. You know what, when you come, and we're going to meet in person, folks, when you come, I'll play it for you, because I have it. Oh, Nice. <laughs> Have you ever heard, uh, because there's so many interesting versions of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Did you remember uh, Ozzy's version? Did you ever hear the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty classic. <laughs> Anytime I hear the words Take Me Out to the Ball Game, uh, he just springs to mind right away because that was just... What a, what a what an interesting rendition. I don't know. <laughs> Train what, an, wreck, what, what an interesting human being. I mean, yeah. just... Where where would he be without Sharon? Um, (laughs) Do you ever see the documentary on him when he's being interviewed and he's making eggs and and he's talking and as he's talking, the frying pan catches on fire and the interviewer says to him, Ozzy, I think your stove's on fire. (laughs) He's probably just totally oblivious. (laughs) Oblivious to it. Oh, yeah. I tell you. Good old Ozzy. Now, uh, here's a little homage to Billboard. What was on the charts on... uh, July 23rd, 2009. Well, thanks to Billboard and having charts, the album charts that week were pretty interesting because number five was the Black Eyed Peas, the uh, album called The End, which is E-N-D, separated. Wilco made the top five with uh, Wilco, the album. Rob Thomas, formerly of Matchwatch 20, number three with Cradle Song. Now, can I uh, tell you something about Rob Thomas? Of course. My wife loves i mean not just loves with small letters like loves with all caps rob thomas like really oh my gosh she is his biggest fan I, i'm not have sure. you seen him live we have not uh, but that would be on her list she loves rob thomas you got competition tony oh, there you go i don't <laughs> think it's competition i think rob thomas wins but, uh, well, I, I hope he doesn't do a podcast i mean you know everyone else is doing it. i hope he doesn't jump into that one you never know right <laughs> that's right um, yeah, it's funny you say that because my wife loves Rob Thomas as well. Um, number two is Brad Paisley with American Saturday Night. And number one is a various artist collection called Now 31, or the longer title, Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 31. Now, you may call it music, I may call it something else. Just kidding. So it was just a compilation album. 
Yeah, just various artists, but number one. Wow, that's an interesting list. Now, what is your, uh, are you a Black Eyed Peas fan at all, or do you? I do. I like them. I don't have any of their albums, but they're, they're someone who I would not turn off if I heard them on the radio. But no, what I, about you? I like the Peas, actually. And uh, in the school stage band, we played uh, swing versions of a few uh, different Black Eyed Peas songs, actually. They uh, translated my was really in, well. My daughter was in the school orchestra. They used to do Black Eyed Peas songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting group. What songs did you do? Uh, we did. Uh, the, I'm just trying. I've got a feeling is the one that comes to mind. And then there was uh, there was one other one. I can't remember which what the other one was, but I've got a feeling. And it was a great swing chart. Actually, it worked really well. You know what's funny is I was putting together the playlist before I talked to you, and I put that song in already. Oh, did you? Oh, there you go. <laughs> great mind, sing alike, Tony. Now we've got one more stop on this trip. We're going to go ahead, July 24th. And we're going to 2014. So uh, this is going to be great because this is a, a really different type of uh, event. I don't want to give it away, but do you want to punch it in July 24th, 2014? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we are. It is July 24th, 2014. And an artist that we both admire has just made number one his album and the album is called mandatory fun it's his 14th album and it is number one goes to number one on the u.s album chart but of course we're talking about weird al yankovic but there's a special significance to his album going to number one isn't there yeah i guess again you know without doing the billboard thing at the beginning we wouldn't have this kind of cool fact but it was the well, it was the best-selling comedy album, I guess, or his best-selling album since Straight Out of Linwood. But the first comedy act to hit the top spot for more than 50 years, and the last one was one of my personal favorite, Alan Sherman's My Son, The Nut. Yeah, I you love know, Alan uh, Sherman. Yeah. Hello, Mara. Hello, Fana. <laughs> great stuff, great stuff. So he's number one, and he's he's, you know, I think I, we were talking beforehand, and Tony, I've seen it Weird Al twice in concert, and let me tell you, both times, the first time he was opening for the Monkees, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. Um, but the second time, it was his show at Massey Hall. One of the best concerts I've ever seen. Oh, you know, Weird Al is the consummate professional and um, a great musician. And I think, you know, people sometimes just see the parodies and, and think that he whips these things off, but uh, he is... A very very professional in his approach to uh, to songwriting and his approach to uh, doing parodies but he's also in his personal life painfully shy and um, I listened to a fantastic podcast talking about uh, you know his early life and so shy that you know he was the type of kid that would just always be hanging out by himself and he developed the the weird owl persona just to help himself be able to function socially and uh, it caught on but he he started doing the during college these parody songs and uh, made it onto a radio show by dr demento and took off and from there i mean it just was onwards and upwards but he works so hard at his craft and and the interviewer was uh, at weird al's house and and they were looking through his notebooks you know and he would have 30 different variations of a sentence written 
to try to find the perfect rhyme uh, for when he's doing a song. It's absolutely incredible. I would just assume you'd have to be a good musician to do the parodies he does. And and the, the reason they work so well is because musically, when I mean, he did Eat It, for example, yeah. <laughs> that's right, saying that without laughing. It was musically, it's brilliant, right? Oh, absolutely. And it uses top-notch musicians. And he is a top-notch musician. He's a far better singer than people give him credit for. And You know, to that point, I have an album here, a tribute album to George Harrison, a concert in Los Angeles. And he comes up and he doesn't, he, he dropped the weird, became Alan Yankovic. And he does What Is Life. It, Google it. It's brilliant. You know what? I'll put it on the Spotify playlist. It's fantastic. You would not believe how good he sounds. Yeah, he's a he's a terrific singer. And, um, you know, obviously the accordion is permanently uh, associated with him. But the, the, the story behind the accordion is, is he wanted to play something, but his mother wouldn't let him play guitar. And so she got him an accordion. And uh, like you were saying before, when we were discussing this before, you know, he certainly showed her, didn't he? <laughs> well, and and he's he's a consummate professional. I'm sorry, like you just you don't find anyone more. He's he's very professional and and um, funny. I don't know if you've ever seen his TV show. It was only on for one season, but and his movie UHF. Oh, UHF is great. Isn't that a great movie? I I love that movie. I I think it's up to our second city. Like I laughed all the way through that film. Oh my gosh! Well, Conan the Librarian, like that was. <laughs> you remember that? Don't you know your Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> he wrote all that. He—that's his writing, man. He came up with that. That's brilliant. It's just brilliant. So I listen. The fact he made number one, you know, with that album, um, and Straight Outta Linwood. What a great name for an album. Straight Outta Compton. Straight Outta Linwood. Um, and mandatory fun. And do you know the other story behind mandatory fun? Uh, what's that? He initially wanted it to be a stream only. This is long before Spotify. He thought, you know what? No point putting it on CD because no one's going to buy it. And the company said, no, 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 no. You know what? Let's put it on CD, see how it goes. And it goes number one. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, that's an incredible. And the, and the track list, there's some great, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the, uh, do you have a favorite track off the album? Uh, I do, but you know what? I have to dig up the titles. You go ahead, and I'm going to dig okay, up the so titles. Okay, so I'm going to just call off the track list here. So we've got Handy, which is... Uh, That's my favorite right there. Yeah, great opening. <laughs> it is. It's a parody of Fancy by Iggy Azalea. Uh, Lame Claim to Fame, great song. I mean, they're all good songs. Um, Foil, which is a fantastic takeoff on Royals by Lord. The Sports Song, um, it's just a parody of college football songs. Word Crimes, of course, is... Uh, a better version of Blurred Lines than Blurred Lines was, uh, in my opinion. Uh, my Own Eyes, uh, parroting the Foo Fighters. Now that's what I call polka, and it's just a polka medley. Uh, mission Statement is, uh, again, he's making a style parody of Crosby. Next was my favorite. Next was my favorite. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, Inactive, which is... Yeah, uh, love that. It's a parody of Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, but it's just so clever. His wordplay is so clever. I agree. Uh, Just brilliant. First World Problems, which is a style parody of the Pixies. Tacky, which, again, great version of Happy by Pharrell Williams. You know, and uh, and Jackson Park Express, which is, he's parodying Cat uh, Stevens. So a real mixed bag here. But um, the artists who he covers, too, have nothing but admiration for him. You know, I, I like Michael Jackson loved Eat It, right? And 
Well, there's only one that didn't, though, you know. Oh, who was that? I'm trying to remember who that was. It was Madonna. Madonna was very upset by his takeoff on Like a Virgin. Oh, did, was she? Yeah. Well, of course she was. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. But uh, funny, funny version, though. My goodness. Yeah. he He's, uh, I'm just adding to what is life. You, you got to hear this. You will love it. So it's, it's, it's on our playlist for the show. Oh, that'll be excellent. Now, what was on the charts in 2014? So the top five is quite, a, it's quite funny when you look at it. By the way, Weird Al knocked Sia, 1,000 Forms of Fear, from number one to number 19, which I thought was interesting that you have mandatory fun knocking out fear. So, <laughs> way to go. Uh, soundtrack to Frozen was number five. Uh, I, I was blessed not to have kids who liked this. Number four was Kids Bop Kids with Kids Bop 16. Oh my gosh, I hate that stuff. Like it oh, makes you and me both. Okay, that, that's right up there with bad musical theater for me. Like wow. just cringeworthy. I, oh. I, I was so fortunate not to experience that. Tell me too. Uh, number three was Rise Against with the Black Market. Two, Jason Mraz from the Where Is He Now file uh, and his album called Yes, which isn't a bad album. No, no, it's not at all. And we are now number one. Um, what I also thought was funny was that I, I Sam Smith had been number one, and it had dropped to number six when Sia knocked it out at number one. So, yeah, the charts were kind of volatile that week. But look at you get a Disney soundtrack, Kids Bop, uh, Rise Against, and Weird Al all in the top five. Well, that's right. And, you know, nice to see Weird Al at number one because uh, the other four, you know, I could. Uh, you leave? Yeah, Mraz, you know, okay, but the other three do nothing, nothing for me at all. So. Yep. I'm in the same boat, man. Same boat. And I know it's just me getting old and grumpy, but uh, I like... Well, this is seven years ago, Tony. You weren't old then. Well, that's true. And uh, But, you know, I like the charts when we go back 50s, 60s, 70s. Man, some yeah. some amazing tunes Those are, those are my favorite. <laughs> well, that's right. So I guess it's time to jump forward to the present. Shall we do it? And we're there. Okay, so let's go back to 2021. And here we are back in the future in 2021. Notice I didn't say back to the future because I didn't want to get any kind of uh, copyright violation there. So we're back in the future. And in a couple days, we're going to be recording again for our Spotify show. It is an old time radio show. And we talk about music that we love from way back when. And once in a while, we'll also spin um new takes on old songs and i a really fun show isn't it i you know i i love it because it's a very different format to this uh and and i really dug a uh, dig and dug but i really dig listen to it when you put it all together we record it i get the songs already and then you work your magic tony as you always do and we listen i listen to it with the music it's just it's magic it's great well and you know this week it's my turn to pick the playlist and i i've got something really cool so i can't i still don't know what you got up your sleeve so well do you want me to wait until the day of and then i'll let you know or do you want me to tell you now no, no, I, I'd like to be surprised. Okay, I'll surprise you. I've got uh, an interesting uh, playlist for you, and I think people are going to really enjoy listening to it. So if you're on Spotify, folks, just look for Before My Time under podcasts, and you'll find it right away. But it is much more like, well, we call it a radio show, because in, in essence, that's what it is. And you'll hear us talking, and you'll hear us spinning the records. And if you're a Spotify Premium subscriber, you'll hear the whole song, which is nice. And if you're not on Spotify Premium, you'll just hear a little clip. But we'll leave a playlist for you to listen to afterwards. 
That was a fantastic uh, road trip, Aaron, but I am so excited because next week, I guess about a week from now, we are finally going to get to meet in person and I can't wait. You know, I may get emotional. It's, it's because we, you and I have talked so long every week and we talk, just so you know people, between our recording, we chit-chat through Facebook and email and all that. I, 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 I think every day we talk. We Tony. talk every single day. I, I don't yeah. think there's a day that we've missed. I, I don't uh, think there has been either. So to actually see you in person, it's <laughs> going to be like, what the hell? I'm very, uh, ex- I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I am very excited too. And uh, that's going to be great. So I'll be heading to the Big Smoke to Toronto and uh, looking forward. To, uh, Cynthia is looking forward to meeting Andrea as well. And uh, Vice versa. Yeah, so is Andrea. Oh, it's going to be great. But in the meantime, folks, thanks for listening to our show today. And Aaron, I'm going to drop you off here. Wonderful road trip. And I'll see you in person next week. And wait. Music for today's episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast was written by Rick Denis. The show notes, chart selection, and Spotify playlist were created by Aaron Badgley. And the artwork, recording, editing, and sound production was done by Tony Stewart. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend or two. And don't forget to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get the latest episodes automatically. And we'd love it if you would leave us a review. You can also engage with the show by going on our website and leaving us a voicemail. We may even play your voicemail on an upcoming episode. Thanks for taking this road trip with us, and we'll see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine Podcast. Hey, turn the radio up. I love this song. The Wayback Music Machine podcast is a Stewie Tunes production.